So I'm going to try and keep us in the, in the pattern that Pastor Joey's had us in for the series, the I Am series. Um, and I'm going to recap quickly here through John. Give me a second to get my, get my throat back. I really was wailing on Worthy of It All song. My apologies. <clears throat> but as we've been going through John, those of you who have been in our community groups, that's been our concentration. There's a reason for that. We're trying to um, get the church working towards um, doing Bible study, doing very purposeful and um, intentional Bible study. And we've been studying the book of John. And some of the groups, some of the overachievers, Ravensteins, are almost done. They've almost plowed through all 12 of the lessons. Some slower groups that like to sit and chat and fellowship, our group, um, we're on lesson five or six, not really sure. We're learning about John. We're learning a lot about John. We're learning about Jesus. We're learning about each other too. Does anybody know? Did I tell you Cindy Melvin flew a plane for years? She flew a plane. Craziness. But um, we're getting to know each other and we're getting to fellowship. We're getting to hear some of the, the burdens and pains inside the family. We're getting to pray for one another. And those are all the reasons we're doing that. So if some of this seems like rehash to you, um, don't, don't let it be rehash. Let it be, let it be a re-emphasizing what you've been learning so as we go through John, I'm just going to recap some of the things that I've been catching, some nuggets. Jesus, he is the word. He was in the beginning. He was with God. He was God. And speaking of God, Mark Miller just came to my mind. <laughs> Only in a sense of he told me to pray for myself. So let's, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I do ask once again that uh, my words be your words, that my thoughts be your thoughts, that my passion be your passion, because anytime I insert stew into that, Lord, I mess things up. And I just pray that um, what you've put for us to hear today, if that comes through my lips, great. If that comes through another, great, Lord. Um, we just ask um, that you would be with us today and guide our minds, guide our hearts, and uh, lead us in all that you would have us hear from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm going to pull this back. I, I don't know how Joey likes to stand up there, but I can't see you all. So if I'll just stare at Mark Miller, it really throws me off. I have to like scope around a little bit. Um, Jesus is the light of the world. He's God in the flesh. He arrives on the scene. Jesus, in him was the light and the life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness didn't understand we're discovering that we can become children of light, children of God, but not born out of natural descent. If we receive him and we believe in him. Through believing in him, Jesus and God will dwell within us, no longer needing trips to the tabernacle like the Israelites had to do. You remember that word that Joey was trying to teach us, that skinu word, that tabernacle, that, that abiding in, that residing in, that indwelling is what we talk about when, when we have God and Jesus dwelling in our lives. We're dwelling in him, he's dwelling in us. So I want to continue on, these, on this just next, I don't know, 15 verses here. But I want to go through today, John 1, 19 through 34. And I want, I want to take off uh, where Pastor Joey had been from uh, 1 through 18. We're going to start at 19. And there's two main points, if I don't, if I don't mess this up, there's two main points that I want to get through and those two simple points are John the Baptist was just a messenger. I'm not, I'm not trying to demean what it is that he did, but he was just a messenger, and I'll explain that. And this real simple fact that Jesus is the Lamb of God, and we're going to talk through that. So let's go ahead, and if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to have your Bibles, highlight them, read through them, take notes. Um, 
I've met a lot of people in my life, and I see people who are oftentimes taking notes and scribbling questions in their Bible and that, and that's, that's more my style. I, I do that, but I, I know others of you have your Bible, and that thing is it's extremely sacred. You take it off the shelf, you blow the dust off of it, and you, the pages are perfectly aligned, and there's little, little markers. Oh, you have those little, uh, what book am I going to, John? What do you call those? Tabs? Um, those are really beautiful Bibles. But I encourage you, if you're able, to take your Bible, read along with us, um, highlight if you will, and then do what you want. But I encourage you to, to read the Word while we read the Word. Starting with uh, verse 19. Do we have that up? Okay. Can you see that? Yes. John the Baptist denies being the Christ. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but he confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. Then they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer so that we can take those back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert or in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, saying, why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And he says, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you don't know. He's the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I can't even untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. So the first part, I want to I get through John quickly because I think if I was living back then, or if you guys were living back then, this John the Baptist guy seems like a pretty cool guy. He had a lot of followers. He had his own disciples. The Bible calls them disciples. But um, when they questioned him, he, he didn't fail to give that answer. I'm nobody in the Lord. So he gave that answer in verse 20. Do we have, uh, go to the next one there? I'm looking for verse 20. It says John clarifies his role. Well, that's good right there. John clarifies his role. He did not fail to confess, but he confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. Understand that John was, he was highly regarded. People thought that he was one of the coolest pastors. He was one of those street pastors. Um, he's out crazy guy in the woods wearing, uh, wearing like sackcloth and eating wild honey and locusts. And, but he had this word in him and he's talking about this guy who's to come and people were drawn to him. They appeared to be, I think, if I was living then, there appeared to be no doubt he wasn't the Messiah. He didn't have those things that Jesus brings along, and Jesus has already started showing his own ministry. He didn't have those miracles. He didn't have that wisdom that, that uh, we see Jesus having as we learn through the Gospels. But if he's not the Messiah, who was he? So they asked him, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He said, no. Any of you who know the Bible and, and you read it often, you go back and forth between the Gospels, and sometimes there's little quirks in there, little differences that makes you wonder, man, are these guys contradicting themselves? And I, I want to touch on that just for a second, but this part seems to contradict what we see in Matthew's Gospel, and I think you have that up there, Matthew 11. <clears throat> and Jesus actually validates John the Baptist. Um, why don't you go ahead and put up the, the 11 and put the, there you go. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. He said, what did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? 
If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, but more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it's written. I will send my messenger ahead of you and you will prepare, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept that he is the Elijah who was to come, whoever has ears, let them hear. Hmm. You know, new, new readers in the Bible read those things like, man, he is Elijah. He's not Elijah. He is Elijah. Listen, listen to what Jesus says. Um, John the Baptist was the Elijah who was to come. If you read deeper into the Old Testament, you'll see in Malachi, they talked about this messenger, this one who was going to come and, and, and prepare the way for the Lord to come. Jesus said he's more than a prophet. But you think about the Elijah. Think about the spirit in which this, this um, John the Baptist is wandering around the desert. And he's, he's pulling people to repentance He's baptizing them with water and, and, he's, and he's telling them about the kingdom that is to come and that this Christ that's already on the earth and that he's just there trying to prepare the way. I'm just doing my little part to help prepare the way so that the world may get to know who he is, the Savior. Though he's highly regarded, he is lower than the least in the kingdom of heaven. That, that, that always throws me. He's like, man, I just want to be the least in the kingdom of heaven. You're like over everything that happens outside of heaven, I think, if I think of rank and order. He says, among, women, among men born of women, there's nobody greater than John the Baptist. You hear those things about uh, Daniel and his wisdom. You hear that about Solomon and his wisdom. There's nobody wiser. There's nobody, there's nobody greater than this, nobody greater born to mankind than this, than this John the Baptist. But in the kingdom of heaven, even the least is over him, better than him, ranked higher than him. Anybody want to be the least in heaven? Just me? And Jim Yoder. Thank you, Jim. And Scott. Thank you. But John is a smart guy. You know, and I, I think there needs to be more smart guys in this world. I, th I think about these megachurches and the televangelists and folks who I, I feel for them because sometimes, you know, they bring a word. They bring the word of God and 3,000 people come to their church to hear it. What happens to us when that happens? You get this big head, you can't walk in the door. So you have to get a Cadillac so you can get your head in the Cadillac, right? The story goes on and on. And I'm not making fun of them. Some of them truly have the word of God on them, but there's a danger in humanity that we get to think we're bigger than what we really are, that we're just a messenger, that we're just a disciple, that we're just a servant, that we're just a sheep. But John clarifies, he keeps clarifying this. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those. What do you say about yourself? John said, I'm the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make way, make straight the way for the Lord, period. The Pharisees who had been sent to question him said again, why then do you baptize? If you're not the Messiah, you're not Elijah, you're not the prophet. He says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one who you don't know. He's the one who comes after me, the straps whose sandals I cannot carry. You can see about John the Baptist in, in the Old Testament. If you look at Isaiah 40, uh, verse 3, he, it says, he's the voice of one calling. In the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. 
Three, three, three key things about John. John baptized with water, symbolically cleansing. He's calling on people to repent of their sins. Prepare yourself for what's coming because he's on the way here. He's already been here. And he's on the way here to really do a big thing. John the Baptist can't even untie Jesus' sandals. You know, every time we read those things, it's like, well, that's a, that's a neat little colloquialism or analogy or whatever. But in their time, you know, someone who touches your feet, you're the lowest in the cast of servants. You're that person that, uh, you know, does the feet washing. You're taking the sandals off. You're helping put the sandals on of your masters, if your masters have any kind of status at all. All the nastiness that your feet get into. But um, John declares, it's like, I can't even untie this man's sandals. I'm not worthy enough to even untie his sandals. So don't think of me as anything. I'm just a messenger. You know, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just a messenger. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit envious of John sometimes because he knows his role. Very, very clearly he knows his role. He's parting that out for those who don't know the Savior to prepare for him because he's on the way. Anybody here ever struggle with identity? You know, we talk about in the church, there is, there is one body and there's many parts. We have the feet, the nose, the eyes, the mouth, the ears. You know, some of you are great listeners, you're compassionate, you're prayers. Some of you are, are great speakers and teachers. And some of you are those who run to the mission. And some of you stay back in the kitchen and you make food after food after food so that people are fed. You would have seen that last night. We had, we had ladies that made... I don't know, 300, 300 and some cookies and pounds and pounds and pounds of stuff to eat for blessing those who would come through to uh, give their regards to, to Macy and her family. Um, but we have so many different parts. John knew his role. I, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm studying this, I'm like, do I know my role? Do I really know my role? I'm asking God about that all the time. Easy to collect titles. I'm associate pastor. I'm an elder. I'm retired. I'm Tamara's husband. We, we have all these titles we can put there. So what is my role? I think one of my roles is to be like John. I'm, I'm to prepare the way of the Lord. There are people in my life that do not know the Lord. They almost refuse him. Some flat out refuse and have gone to other things like even Wiccan. And, and some just don't know. They're just so dingy. They don't even know what they're supposed to believe. It's like, I've been thinking about it. I think I'm going to go to church. Well, we'll go to church, but just pray to God. Ask Jesus to come into your life. Get rid of all that junk that you carry. I'm not trying to oversimplify it, and I'm not sure I'm even going on a, on a message there. But the question is, do, do you understand your role in the kingdom of God? Do you understand your role? This might come up near the end of this, of this teaching, but I'm just going to throw that out there so you have something to chew on, either through this service or through this week. But he knew his role. I want to I touch on the one extremely uh, profound point that he brought up. And to me, this is, it's worth talking about in a, in a way that we're going to do that. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Um, what do I have on that next slide? Okay. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. What a strange phrase that had to have been for everybody in that, in that hearing. John's out there. He's baptizing people in water. And Jesus is coming. He's like, look, here comes the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Why do I think that's strange? Think about the time. 
They were, they were very key, and the Israelites were on uh, giving sacrifices over to God. These came from Moses' time, and it came throughout their, their religious practices. They were to sacrifice animals for what? Participating church. Why are they sacrificing animals? For sin, an atonement for sin. So if somebody sins, you're, you're, you're sacrificing these animals to cover the, the, the sin that you've had. That blood, that death has to cover your sin. But so he says that here comes a lamb that's going to take away the sin of the world. People had to be like, what are you talking about? We were having a good day here. I just got baptized. I got all that sin stuff off of me. And now you're talking about this lamb that comes to take away the sin of the world. You're going to kill him? You know, there's this depth that we don't understand that, that John saw, John the Baptist saw, and that he's getting ready to, he's getting ready to help uh, play out. I want to go to, um, I want to go to where we see this, this lamb. Um, look in Exodus 12. Do we have that up? If you remember, the, one of the times we look at lamb being uh, sacrificial and, and being really, really important so people don't die in your house is the Passover. You remember the Passover lamb? So that's when the Israelites, it's, it was the last plague that was going to happen. God was going to take out the firstborn of every household um, in that region if they didn't let the people go. And you know the story. Pharaoh wasn't going to let these people go. So they, they were given these rules. Go get a spotless lamb. Cook this lamb for your family and your household. I want you to cook it and you put these herbs in it and you eat this in haste. You tuck in your cloak. You close the doors and you get inside because during that evening, the destroyer is going to come and he's going to look. And if he sees that you took that blood of that lamb and put that over the doorpost, he's going to pass over your house and you're safe for the night. That, that's when we see that Passover lamb. You're safe for the night because the blood was on the doorpost and your family was saved. Your firstborn was saved. And that's exactly how it went down. Everybody who had done that, everybody who was obedient, everybody who had that blood on the doorpost was saved. The interesting part, go to that next if you would, please. The interesting part about that, that Passover lamb didn't take care of those families forever. That took care of that night. It took care of that, that avoidance of that plague. It took care of those sins. It atoned for that time. But um, that wasn't enough to take care. Those, those sacrifices were not enough to take care of the people for an eternity of, of, of uh, relieving their sins. But this lamb of God that this guy's talking about, this lamb of God, maybe there's something in that. This lamb of God was also prophesied in Isaiah 53, 7. Boy, I struggle to see that one up there. Okay, in Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before its shears is silent. He did not open his mouth. This is that, this is that story that um, we'll just spend a few minutes on. It's not a story. This is that reason why you're all in this sanctuary today because you are mostly, I hope all of you, are believers in the one who actually went to the cross and died for our sins. Amen? He died for our sins and he rose again and he conquered all that. And he, he, and everything's under his feet. He conquered all of that. And we believe in that. So we come here to worship him and to learn about him and to, and to, follow, and to follow the ways that he set before us. So he's the one that we have put our lives towards. Think about, think about the blood that he shed. The blood that he shed, I'm going to keep picking on Mark Miller because he's an easy target and he doesn't get offended. 
The blood that he said, Mark Miller can say, I believe that you shed your blood for me, Jesus. I believe that you took all my sins with you because I believe you are the son of God, my savior, my Lord, my redeemer. Amen. That blood on that doorpost of Mark Miller, that's a forever thing. It's done. That's not for an evening. That's not for avoiding a plague. That's not for a simple single act. That is forever. Mark gets to enter in the kingdom of heaven. It's done. Amen? Do we believe that? Can I hear an amen? All right. I don't want to be one of those preachers, but honestly, when, I, when those things come to my mind, I'm like, well, amen. Heck yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Goodness gracious. I don't deserve any of that, but thank you for your blood you spilled on the cross that I could believe in you and have life forever. It's done. I'm done. If you guys have a ceremony for me tomorrow and I've died, please know that I'm going to be in paradise. I'm not saying that to brag. That's what's in my, in my knower of all knowers. It's done. I want to fast forward. This is hard to go all over the place with this Lamb of God because we can talk about him for the next four months, but you guys might get a little bored. And I don't want to rush the sequence, but we're going to, we're going to fast forward a little bit. This Lamb of God that we also talk about, I see him in Revelations 5. Can you pull up that? <clears throat> Sorry, I'm doing a lot of reading. Then I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even take a look inside. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open a scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb, as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are seven spirits of God, and out into all the earth. He went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one of them had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and, and language and people and nation. Miss Maria touched on that a little bit this morning. She's saying that Jesus already, he... he if we would accept him and he chooses us, we are, we're covered. He's taken us up in him. I looked and I saw the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Amen? Amen? We can go home. That's a, that's a powerful statement to, to end on, but I'm not done. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and, on, and in the sea and all that's in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So as I'm, as I'm studying this, I thought, oh, and I'm pulling up my phone and I'm, I'm looking for this song and I found it. And I want it to be played for you guys. I just want you to sit still. You can close your eyes and keep your eyes open. I kind of want to geek out on this. 
So I'm going to ask these guys to play the song, but uh, this comes from Handel's Messiah. Anybody here ever been to a Handel's Messiah? That's where the hallelujah chorus comes from. Like, hallelujah. Anybody ever sung in it? Yep, a handful of us have sung in it, and it's a, it's a fun thing. Some of you probably roll your eyes if you ever saw it. It's a beautiful rendition of the story of Jesus from the time that he's being born, prophesied about, to the time that he dies and resurrected. But this one piece I want to I play, and it's going to take about three minutes, so just relax. Don't leave. I want you to listen to the words if you can hear it. And I want you to think that you might just be in heaven, and you might just be witnessing what we just talked about. Go ahead.
The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Amen? Anybody ever heard that song, I Can Only Imagine? Raise your hands if you've heard that song, I Can Only Imagine. Thank you. Um, there's that, the chorus in there says, um, um, Will I stand in your presence? At my knees will I fall? How's that go? Someone help me here. Say it louder. Will I stand in your presence? At my knees will I fall? While I sing hallelujah, will I be able to speak at all? You know, surrounded by your glory. And I think about that when I, when I think about those songs. I'm like, what on earth is it going to be like when we're in the middle of all of that? You're, you're gonna be, you have to be one of those people that just flop on your face. Like, I'm not even worthy to be in the hallway. I'm not even worthy to hear this piped out on the loudspeaker out in the courtyard. And I'm hearing this wonderful glory. So when I, when I hear this song, I, I truly geek out in a, in a Christian sense. And I imagine that being like the glory of heaven is just being pronounced and, and the lamb is being pronounced. And it's funny because it, it messes with my senses as a, in my experiences as I read through this. I'm like, okay, let's think about that. This mighty lamb is going to come. Mighty lamb. You know, I, I, as I read that, I'm watching, I'm imagining this little lamb, clip, clop, clip, clop, clip, clop, going over and taking that scroll like, I got this. And that's, that's, how, my, that's how my flesh mind goes. But it's, it's the stuff that we have to really think about. Who is this Jesus? He is so many things. He was called the Lion of Judah. He's called the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. He's called all these powerful names. He's also called the Lamb who was slain, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God who is to take away the sins of the world. Is it easier to consider the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David? Or how about in Revelations 1? When I see that, I'm like, oh, that's Jesus. Like the son of man, he's dressed in a, in a robe with a gold sash. He had hair like white, white like wool, white as snow, eyes like a blazing fire, feet like bronze glowing in a furnace, voice like the sound of a rushing water, and seven stars in his hands. And he had a mouth with a double-edged sword, and his face was shining like the sun. I can't even fathom what that's going to be like to, to be in front of him. The tough part is I've got to bring you back and finish this up. I, got, I have to finish this, this declaration of this Lamb of God. Go, go to this next, this next slide for, it says Jesus was. Yeah. Jesus already was and he is. If you read this from, from John, this is the one that I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water is so that he might be revealed to Israel. I don't know about you, but that first part sounds like doublespeak. A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. What? You think about it. John the Baptist is to come first to lay out this, this pathway for these repenters for the Messiah to step on the stage. But Jesus has already been starting. Jesus already was. Jesus already is. If you notice from our, our discussions over the last few teachings, he already was. He was in the beginning. He was already there. He is the word. He was the word. Jesus came after John's role played out. However, he already was the fullness of God. He already was God in the flesh. He already was, already is, Emmanuel, God with us. And John baptized with water so that he, Jesus, would be revealed. So John completes his, he completes his role. He doesn't have, a, there's not a lot much more about John the Baptist in here. And you'll see that as we go through that in the next couple of weeks. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water 
told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down, come on him and remain on him is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So this one, this one, this God sent John to baptize with water. John was already told, the one you see with the Spirit come down every man on is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist already had insight. Nobody else there did. John the Baptist had insight as to when Jesus was going to step on the scene. He was baptizing for people to repent in water. If you, if you read in the depth that he, he baptized Jesus, and there's another, that's a whole other sermon, but he baptized Jesus and felt unworthy to do that, but it was the right thing to do. Jesus wasn't baptized to wash his sins away. He was sinless. He was baptized to equip him for what he's about to do. John the Baptist saw and testified, this is God's chosen one. So John the Baptist's time on earth is almost done, he, but he overcame great obstacles to proclaim Christ. He's an odd man living in the desert, eating weird stuff. He was armed only with hope and truth of who Jesus is. The leaders, the priests, the Levites, they all harassed him because they didn't understand. Why are you giving this message? Who are you? And I'll give you a spoiler alert. John the Baptist dies. Head lopped off, put on a platter. Sorry, fast forward a little bit. You'll get to see that later. His, his role's done. He clarified, this is the chosen one. This is the Messiah. What a profound and simple legacy that John the Baptist leaves for himself. He probably didn't care. But he gave a declaration of who Jesus Christ is, the Savior, the Messiah, the promised Son of God, the Redeemer of all who would hear his voice and accept his calling. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is my, this is my I don't know, maybe the challenge piece of, of my teaching for the day. Can you and I do likewise? Can we proclaim that Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Son of God, the Lord and Savior? Just say amen. If you're a little braver, say, Jesus is Savior and Lord. Oh, you guys are doing that like you're in seventh grade. Do it with boldness. Jesus is Savior and Lord. Jesus is Savior and Lord. He is. Amen. Can we proclaim Jesus as our Redeemer, our Savior, the Lord, the Lamb of God? You better do that in private first. If you haven't done that before, that's something you need to give over to him. It's like, Lord, I believe you at your word that you are the Son of God that did all you did and gave all you had so that I could live. And I believe you did that. I accept that. I bring that onto myself. I bring that truth onto myself that I can be with you forever in glory. Do that with him first. You want to do that with another, you're welcome to call on any of the leaders in this church. We'll do that with you. Call on a brother or sister in Christ that you know where they are in their salvation, and they'll do that with you. If they're too chicken to do that, ask them to take you to somebody who will do that. I don't know how to say that nicely. If you, if you don't want to have that conversation with somebody who needs that conversation, you drive them to somebody's house who will have that. Amen? Amen? Okay. I hear a lot of cars starting up. <laughs> Can we do that? Can we practice doing that in public? Oh, my word. Can any of you walk down Mechanicsburg sidewalk and say, Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. Woo! Amen. I've seen some of you do that, actually. The first thing I do is like, oh, man, we're going to get attention. <laughs> and it's okay. Do I 
And do you, do you know your role in his kingdom? John, John clarified his. He said, I don't, I'm nothing. I'm just making straight the path. Do you know what your role is? Have you sought that out? Have you asked, have you asked God to, to teach you what that is? I, I encourage you to do that. He'll, he'll reveal that to you. I ask him a lot. He reveals, he reveals tidbits to me, but uh, that story's still being written. I think it'll be written for quite a while, but I trust him. I trust God. I trust the Lamb of God. I trust Jesus, my Savior. I trust the Holy Spirit that he sent to be with me and to guide me and to advocate for me and to whisper in my ears, this is the way to go. I encourage you to do the same. Can I get an amen? Can I get a bigger amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and I, I trust you for this day. I thank you that you are, you are Lord. I thank you that you've given us everything that we need to be equipped to know who you are, to lay our lives before you, to be found in you and to go and do as you will for us to do, Jesus. We have everything that we need. We have you and we have all those things that you have blessed us with. We have the spirit of God on us when we call on your name. I just ask that you give us the encouragement and you give us the opportunity and um, you just open those doors, Lord, and you send us, you send us on our way. I pray for this church. I pray for the families here. I love each one, Lord. I know you love them more. I ask as we depart today that you go with us and uh, you be with our families. You lead us and guide us. And um, we just need you, Lord, in all that we do. And the people of God all said, amen.